What's up, everybody? Welcome to Moving Upstream Without a Paddle, the podcast that helps build a mindset for success. I have a really special episode that's kind of breaking into the the normal cadence of when I release them. Um, just because this person who I interview, Alicia Bus, she's just doing such great things um, around the nation and hopefully soon, you know, around the world. Uh, her her programs and her purpose in life is just so inspiring that um, I, she has some things that are coming up that we had to get information out as soon as possible, just because I feel like it's so important for the state of our nation and, and really the world to hear what she has, to, you know, to, to hear what she has and just to make some positive changes in, in our lives. So I really am excited for you to hear this interview. Um, just Alicia is just, just an amazing person. So without any further ado, let's get into it. All right. Okay. So yes, I am here with Alicia Bus, and you know I met her very recently, and already fascinated by her story, what she's doing. She's a very interesting person, full of energy, full of life. Like I just, I love to watch her. She does these live videos on on Facebook, and ever since we've been introduced, I just am, am drawn to these videos because they're just so. I don't know. You're, you're just a very interesting person. So Alicia, what I like to do um, just up front is I want you to kind of just introduce yourself because you can do it better than I can and tell about your story, what's going on in your life, uh, whatever it is you want to share. So I'll just hand the mic over to you and go from there. Thank you, Garrett, so much for having me on the show today. I really appreciate it. It's always nice to get the message out about um, what I'm doing to try and help empower people around the world. Um, my story, I'm originally from Olympia in Seattle, Washington. I got onto the road on October 2nd, so I have been on the road for almost three weeks, um, just be bopping around. And uh, it's always funny to me. People are like, oh, like, how long are you going to be in X place? I'm like, I don't know. And they're like, where are you going next? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever, um, you know, the universe kind of guides towards me through connections or people wanting to be filmed for the equine assisted learning and mental health work. Um, it's just like this beautiful adventure. So in the beginning, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm a medical massage therapist by trade for people and horses and dogs. And I'm also an educator. So I have my BA master's degree in education and then a Waldorf teaching certificate as well as my postgraduate degree in equine assisted learning. So. I have traveled something like 27,000 miles cumulatively in the last six years across the country by myself. And um, it's been this really remarkable journey because I'm single, I've never been married and I don't have any kids. And so what that allowed me to do is um, when I see Waldorf teaching posts, like a teacher, a group, a class had lost their teacher mid-year, I would just hop in my car and I would drive across the country and go help out a school somewhere for like six months. And it was just like this really beautiful experience to get to immerse myself in a school and um, help these kids and see so many different beautiful places around the United States. Um, and I guess that's what really got my travel bug going more so and feeling confident and just like hopping in my truck or my car. Um, as a single woman driving around the country, like there are so many really kind and uh, you know genuine people out there um, that if you keep an open heart and you pay attention to nonverbal communication and energy, you'll be just fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, but yeah, so COVID happened and my clinic was mandated to be shut down by the governor in Washington state. And so I grieved for just two days and then I pivoted my business and focused more on the equine field. And then we started hopping on a bunch of like Zoom calls and talking to people around the globe and like what they were struggling with during this time of COVID. And a lot of people said that they felt really alone and that people didn't really know what it is that we did. And they were also struggling with the virtual aspect of um, doing the work that we do um, for life coaching or the equine assisted learning or mental health. And um, because a lot of places where there are horses, you know, that like some of them are in the countryside and they don't really get good Wi-Fi. <laughs> it makes it really difficult to be able to connect with the people they're trying to serve. And so I was like, hmm, how can I help my community of horse people and empowering people around the world and still be viable 
um, for them during this difficult time and keep everybody safe. And so I was like, well, I should start a YouTube channel and help increase visibility that way. So I started Horsepower Empowerment Through Connection. And I just started like cold calling people all over the club. <laughs> and I was like, you're doing amazing things. Can I interview you? And most people were like, absolutely. That's amazing. Thank you. And um, so I popped on there and uh, I had never interviewed anybody before. I had never done a Zoom call with more than like a couple people. Um, I was, it was completely a new concept to me. And uh, something a lot of people don't actually know about me is that I've spent most of my time, my life, like really shy in front of groups of people. Um, I know, shocking. Wow. And, <laughs> and so um, when I was, yeah, when I was going to college for my BA in education, I would like, I'd be in front of a group of four people, my peers, and I would start shaking and like sweating profusely and I would stutter and I would turn bright red. And so um, I know everybody, I'm kind of like all over the place with this story. <laughs> and um, so my solution for that is that I went to this, um, this dive like karaoke bar and I started singing karaoke sober to get over my fear of public speaking <laughs> and speaking and all of that. And <laughs> That'll do it for sure. Yeah. And so it was really, it's a, it's a funny story and uh, there was this guy there was like, he was jerk he was in the back of the bar and i was up there and i was like ah, ah. and uh he's in the back he was like shame bitch and i'm sorry if it's like he needs like way that artist <laughs> but um and it just like jarred me out of that uh frightened space and i actually started singing so um it's all due to that like that jerk in the back of the bar that was so rude that actually <laughs> Hey, whatever works, right? Whatever yeah, works. Oh my God. I always think that story is so funny, but um, it was really fun. And so now um, I'm in a space where I can talk to people. I'm sure if I got in front of an audience of like 20 or 50 or 100 people, like I would probably have to do a lot of emotional regulation. <laughs> right, right. Be a little bit nervous, but um, yeah. So, anyways, back back to being on point. So I I started doing all these interviews and having people vulnerably share their stories. Um, of the obstacles that they overcame to accomplish their dreams. And the reason that I did that was because I feel like during these uncertain times, a lot of people have lost hope and they just, they're shut down and they don't feel like they can dream at all. And so by having these people from all over the world who are currently still living their dreams despite the pandemic, um, I think that it gives hope and inspiration. At least that's what I've been told by multiple people is that the, the interviews really help to inspire them and give them hope during these difficult times. And I think that's a really beautiful thing um, because people have so much inside of themselves that's incredible. And creating space and letting down their walls and having faith in themselves really allows that creative genius to come forth and everybody has their part to play in um, making this world a, a beautiful place and a better place. Um, and so it's just empowering people to be all of themselves um, for themselves and for us too. And <laughs> so that leads into why I ended up going on the road. Um, so I am 40 years old and I went through my storage unit and I got rid of everything that I own other than what could fit in my Ford F-150 with a canopy. And I sold both of my horses to pay my revolving bills for September and October. And I went out just like on complete faith. And I have my GoFundMe up to raise money to pay production teams to go out and film um, different populations at equine assisted learning and mental health facilities so that we can then mass distribute those videos for like veterans and people that have been trafficked and people overcoming addiction and people that struggle for like eating disorders and people that have special needs that need to be supported and people just recovering from all kinds of trauma like domestic violence and um, working with kids with academics. Um, there's just so many different things, ways that we serve people out there in partnership with horses. And a lot of people just don't know what it is that we do. And that's why it's so important for me to be out on the road and filming these people so that we can just get the word out and help as many human beings as possible. And 
ideally be able to create coursework um, that we can film in these different locations so that when people are struggling, like their depression or anxiety is too high or they're sick with anything, <laughs> uh, right? Um, that we can still reach them and we can help them have greater bandwidth until they can um, be in a space that they can come out to the barn and the community is supported in that way and the equine facilities are also supported through being able to continue to have income coming in so that they don't have to shut down in these difficult times that could be COVID or if there's some other you know natural disaster that comes up Lord knows we've had plenty of them in the last few years um, and just um, working through that and then um, I also have my global men's summit that I'm putting on um, that I'm trying to help to create a safe and um, you know safe environment for men to vulnerably lean into like a brotherhood of men to talk about vulnerable topics so that with the different movements that have gone on, like the Me Too movement was incredibly important, but like any movement, there are extreme natures that come with it. And I feel like men have really kind of, they're not getting the support that they need. Like people are asking men to change a lot, but they're not giving them uh, much guidance in that or creating a safe, non-judgmental container for them to ask the questions um, that they need to, to transcend the spaces. And like, how do we help? men hold themselves and each other accountable, but without shame or invalidation. Um, because I feel like that's a struggle for people regardless of their gender, but especially for men during this time. So we'll be creating a space. I'm actually deep diving into masculinity, what it means to be a man in the world today, every month for the next year for two day summits that are eight hours apiece, and pulling speakers from literally all over the globe um, from big names to just like your average stand-up guy that has overcome his own personal struggles. And we'll have panels of guys and so you can get a lot of different perspectives. And then we'll have our standalone keynote speakers and we'll be highlighting men in the equine profession that'll be doing interactive activities each day of the summit um, so that we can continue to increase visibility for that field because they're also, they're, men are a minority in the equine assisted learning and mental health field. Um, so not something for us to bring forth and support them in that. And some of the topics that we'll be bringing forth is like, what does consent look like for men? Um, how do men go through um, processing trauma, physical and emotional and sexual trauma because that's very taboo. Um, talking about parenting and custody battles and how men can stay in a healthy mindset for that and not bad mouthing their partners and um, and also how do they navigate a system that stereotypically oftentimes doesn't favor men even if they are like stand-up good guys because there are definitely guys out there that are very bad people but they're also really good guys out there too and unfortunately they have a tendency to get all lumped into the same category. Right. Um, and then we'll talk about what masculinity looks like in blue collar and white collar professions. And that will be a panel. We'll talk about what masculinity looks like in Hollywood. Um, I have a Hollywood producer that'll be speaking and we have a guy in like TV and commercials. And um, I'm still looking for some men in uh, European countries there. Uh, and then we have a panel talking about what masculinity looks like for men in the military coming back into a civilian workforce. Because um, that's really important. And we have a man from, um, we have someone from South Africa. I'm hoping to um, potentially have a man that's Lebanese um, and someone from America. And so just really diversifying the way we look at the topic of masculinity. Um, and it, I've talked to men all over the world and it's really fascinating to see how much really overlaps um and how much like their different cultures feed into the why of um how it presents itself but it's still like there are these core difficulties for men and the storyline is just slightly different in different places it was fascinating i was talking to a man in germany and he said that a lot of men in Germany struggle with this concept that they have to be like a good little boy because of what happened in the Holocaust. Mm. Like that was, that's a big thing. And um, 
that was a long time ago, but to have it still in present day, like them um, from the way he spoke of it, that they're still trying to kind of like make up for that as an image for their country and like trying to be really upstanding in how they engage with people. Um, I think it's something we don't really think about. And I was so grateful that he vulnerably shared that with me. Um, and this is a man that's in his like late thirties that had that conversation with me. And um, yeah, there are just a lot of different topics. And so like our first summit will be about masculinity and business. And then the second summit for instance will be about relationships. And I have people of different abilities, a man in a wheelchair. I have men of like, uh, like people of color um on the summit i have like a man that's gay on the summit um you know like and we'll just be talking about a lot of different aspects of masculinity I, i'm planning on pulling in someone that's a physical therapist to talk about pelvic floor um physical therapy and the importance of that for men and the different symptoms that are created by tight muscles and tight fascia and how it can impact the low back and, and impact you know like people talking like People find it really awkward to talk about erectile dysfunction and how it affects relationships. Like, that's a really sensitive, awkward topic for people. But it's right. so important to talk about physiologically how different things are created within us that affect the cycle, like psychologically, and then how it impacts how we interact with our partners, our friends, our coworkers, even if it's more on a subconscious level. And how do we talk about like rites of passage? Because that is something that for us as the culture in the United States, for the most part, is gone for men and for women. And it's something that's really important, I think, um, for us to get to create for young people and transition from a child to an adult and the responsibilities that come with becoming adults and the different like mindsets that's so important instead of this kind of like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> How long can I stay young for? And the difference between mature masculinity and immature masculinity, because it's not that masculinity itself is toxic, it's the mishandling of masculinity that becomes toxic. Right. And, um, you know, we also, there's toxic femininity out there if they wanted to put it in that category, but it's really important, I feel like, to take that, that whole concept of toxicity for masculinity and femininity out. out. Like, People have all kinds of dysfunctional patterns and like toxic behaviors. And um, I prefer to try and create this summit to get to the root of what is causing those dysfunctional behaviors and creating a healing space that people can step into so that those dysfunctional and toxic behaviors can stop. Not because we put a bandaid on it, but because we actually like went to the core of the problem and it's like, I see you. I hear you. I understand that you're struggling. How can we have grace, forgiveness, and also accountability to help you acknowledge that that behavior is not correct, identify where the behavior actually came from, and how do you get the support that you need to transcend that behavior, and then surround yourself for, with a tribe of people that aren't going to either judge you and keep trying to shove you into a box that you're no longer like in, right? And how do you avoid the people that cause those things to occur with you to begin with? Yeah. Because we all grow people, you know, like not everybody grows at the same rate or sometimes people just stay stunted and that's just where they're at. But it's usually they stay stuck because they're not supported by people. Yeah. Well, I think there's a couple of things. I'll talk about the man, but then I want to go back a little bit because you gave us a lot. You have three, three major things going on, but three major things that are very, very much needed. But so I think with, with the men aspect, sometimes I feel like there's a, there's, and it really, I guess it depends on, you know, how you were raised, uh, yeah. you know, that the program that goes in with that on, on what your responsibilities as, as a man is. Right. So Absolutely. I, um, my parents were, were divorced <clears throat> and I live with my mom and my sister most of the time. So most of my influence was done with a man should, you know, provide and do and whatever the woman wants the man. And, and that ended up having this whole thing with me that I just, I had, it was my, my sole purpose in life to, to make sure that my wife was 
taken care of in every aspect of of my imagination yeah. and, and and such a such a stressful thing because constantly in the back of my mind is when i fall short what happens right and am i less of a man now because i i couldn't do that and and I found myself with my first in my first marriage that when things were really going, I beat myself up to a point that was really unhealthy, yeah. and 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 it was all based off of this. And and really, if you talk to my mom or my sister, that's not what they were saying. But it, yeah. but I took it in, in right. and just went with it. So I think there's there's an interesting thing that happens and how what society thinks men should be and we should be strong and we should be the defender or we should be that. And sometimes women don't need a defender. They can defend themselves. They just, so there's this whole different things of, of what we, you know, what is our role in life? And I think a lot of times it's convoluted. So I think what you're doing in that aspect is just, it's amazing. It's, it's that's a perfect thing. Um, and I, I might even attend one of those summits because, you know, Although I feel like I'm pretty put together, you know, I still, there's still programs and paradigms that I need to really kind of overcome myself in that aspect. Um, with, with my current marriage still, there's still things, you know, battles that are constantly trying to overcome. So I think that's a great summit. Um, Thank you for your vulnerability and sharing. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, no, I had no problems being vulnerable. I'll tell people anything. Um, <laughs> and I, but I, I think that that's needed in, in nowadays, and, and not just with men, with everybody. I feel like people need to stop being so withdrawn because when you start pushing all that down and and compress that and compress that, eventually it's just going to explode. And something you don't know what's, and I don't know what that explosion looks like, but if you can just open up and let your feelings out and let all that stuff go, then you don't have to focus on that the negative aspects right you can just go oh, i'm free i'm free now i can live freely and be more positive about where i'm going so i learned that um yeah once yeah. you experience that freedom you just you'll just never go back i so, yeah no definitely and that is something that we'll be bringing up in the summit as well and talking about the importance of just that there's nothing wrong with anger it's how you um process the anger that can be problematic. But anger is just like any other emotion that we have. I mean, people experience love and that can be overwhelming too. And toxic people, um, you know, portray it in the wrong way. That's why you have stalkers and people that like get crazy possessive. And like, that's their expression of having too much love, right? Like, <laughs> like any emotion that's not properly processed can be really dysfunctional and a problem. Um, and in regards to everybody needing the help, I am starting, like the postulate is we're creating um, a women's summit starting in January as well. We'll have overarching themes that will be addressed differently for each of the men and the women's summits each month um, so that if people want to do the work in tandem that they have that opportunity. And then I'll have men and women's uh, membership programs where I have speakers deep diving further every week. And um, people can connect to whoever they want. I mean, like, we all have different learning styles, so like multiple intelligence theory, and then you have attachment theory, like for how people have their different attachment styles. We all have different love languages. Like people, different human beings are going to indicate to you as speakers, as coaches. And um, it's really important to have that abundance mindset that um, we don't need to try and like grab onto every single person. Like we need to honor where that person is at. And if there's a person out there, a coach or a counselor that can facilitate that growth period in that person's life better than we can, not that we can't do a good job, but that person and like that's their specialty or they connect better because of their um, learning style, then send them over there. Like the next person will find you and everybody just gets to be more honored and supported in all of that. Um, yeah. And then it's, we have, uh, and I'm in Yellow Jacket, Colorado right now, just like go to a different name. And there's this incredibly beautiful piece of property in Durango, Colorado. And Trish Lemke and I, she offered in the next week or two that we can put together a really beautiful workshop if anybody feels inspired to take a road trip and they want to come visit us and hang out with horses and experience what equine facilitated life coaching looks like, which falls under the category of equine assisted learning. Um, please contact me and we can put together something beautiful in the next week or two. Yeah, no, that's awesome. So what I, that's the other thing I wanted to kind of touch with you is touch on with you is um, explain to me, cause there, this is interesting. I've now this is not the first time I've heard about, the equine healing and, and 
and what is what what is it about this that just explain the whole process to me because it, it's interesting um and i i think i have a fairly good idea of, of what goes on but um i, I don't want to speak ignorantly on on the, the topic i'm so glad you asked Garrett. so horses communicate through nonverbal communication and humans due to technology tend to be fairly bad at nonverbal communication these days um they don't read energy as well as they did you know like 20, 40, 50 years ago. Um, they don't read the micro expressions that people have. They don't notice, you know, the tightening, the muscles, the raising, um, you know, shoulders, et cetera. And so when you're on your phones or you're in front of your computers a lot, part of what is increasing anxiety for people sometimes is the fact that they can't predict the behavior of another person. They can't trust in that. And part of that is coming from the inability to read nonverbal communication and energy from another person and to be able to trust your own intuition. And being able to trust your own intuition is so incredibly important because throughout life, that's what's going to guide you and keep you safe and direct you to like really functional and um, inspirational opportunities. And with the horses, the horses don't really have any agenda other than to keep themselves safe. Like they want to eat, they, <laughs> they want to check out and be like, are you safe for me to interact with? Are you in congruence? Congruence meaning do your words and your energy match? Because when you're like a predatory aspect is when you, those things aren't matching. And that's confusing. And the horse is like, uh, you're incongruent. I'm not sure if engaging with you is a super safe thing, you know? Okay. And um, a lot of people work through metaphor when they're working with horses. But what I think when you get to work with horses, it has a lot more to do with personal responsibility. And I help teach people how to ground their energy, to be more present, to really pay attention to their surroundings, to use their senses, to hear and to see and watch the horse and watch the horses, how they interact with one another and honor that horses, when they can trust how your reaction is going to be, like you pay attention to what, like what is a horse reacting to? If you react really big, then the horse is like, whoa, right? Right. And um, but if you can learn to have emotional regulation and be able to be present and relaxed, then um, when you're interacting with horse, then you go home and your kids being all reactive or your partner is being reactive. And then you get to transfer that new life skill to coming home and you don't have to be as reactive. Like you can stay calm and grounded and speak to them of a greater place of neutrality and be more functional. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And um Plus being out in nature is just fantastic. Also horses have a larger um, energetic field than we do because our energetic fields are scientifically proven and like it comes from our heart, right? right. And so when somebody comes close to you, you're like, that you feel nervous about it, you're like, get out of my space bubble, right? Get out of my bubble, we've been hearing that for forever. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. um, so the horses have their bubble too, right? And so we get closer to that and their heart rhythm can actually help calm our heart rhythm. And bring it into the community. And so that allows us to calm down. Like the horse is calmer and we're calmer. And you just, people relax more when they're around horses. Now, some people would say, well, I'm afraid of horses. No problem. It's about honoring people's space and where they're at in their own life journey. And if somebody's really scared of horses, then they just stay on the other side of the fence. And if they need to be 100 feet away from that horse on the other side of the fence, that's fine. And you just say, if they look at the horse, we talk about it, we work on grounding exercises, like the emotional regulation piece, and um, we can create energy bubbles. And then slowly they just get closer and closer to the horse. And then eventually, you know, they can reach their hand out and they can let the horse, like smell their hand and have a horsey handshake. And, um, and you just honor the process. You go at it without expectations, without judgment, and you just honor where the person is at. I think that's part of when people get into trouble is that they have certain expectations. They want everything to happen really fast because societally we tend to be uh, about instant gratification an awful lot. Um, but it's about slowing down and being present and really processing things. Yeah, well, so there's tons of important aspects. So. 
That's kind of what I was thinking. So I should have just said something that would made me sound a lot more intelligent than I really am. <laughs> so I I was that person that was scared of horses. Like they're just huge. They're just big, massive animals, right? And and when you come into that, and I'm a city boy. My wife is she's a country girl, so she's been around you know, 4-H animals, she showed, you know, massive bulls and sheep and blah and blah. So she's just been around those, that type of environment. So she's like a horse is no big deal. But then you got me around that and I'm like, man, that's a big animal. That thing could just like step on me and I would be done. And, but when, as I was introduced, there was a calming aspect to it, right? This massive creature just is just as gentle and as affectionate as your dog is. And so it was really, um, it really opened my eyes into a lot into a lot of just aspects of going the stress aspect is is me it's not necessarily the horse now obviously like you were saying any animal is going to feed off our energy so you even humans feed off of each other's energy right so you kind of are will relate to whatever like you were saying that, that energy that's coming from the heart that 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 what is it like seven eight feet you can tell pretty quickly when someone steps into that boundary of i'm not feeling you and told my son that the other day is you know that that i'm not vibing with you that's what that means is that vibration that's being set off and so it's really interesting how and i didn't what you did say i didn't know a lot about horses is that um the calming but it makes sense that calming nature how they can bring you down and then as you were saying living in the present i think it's an important we just as it, the world and society we live in this constant state of, of fight or flight, right? Because just there's so much stress in the world, and so we're at this high level of stress, and that's our body is we're we're not in the present. We're constantly thinking about where am I going to get attacked, and and overreacting to this and overreacting to that. But I love what you were saying and how this works is because it takes that reaction and and brings you down to where you can like live in the present, as you were saying, and not be on this on the, the um that constant state of alert live in the present and then you can begin to respond and i love the responses because now we can do things on an intellectual level instead of a just a knee-jerk reaction so that's it's just amazing that the, the relationship between the the horses and that's amazing that's just people should go to whatever you do with horses because it's so needed in the world today with everything that's going on everybody is just so right and they yeah very reactive and i really appreciate you saying all of that and a lot of what people struggle with is communication and boundaries and honoring the boundaries of other people honoring the boundaries within themselves and articulating their needs um and not like pursuing what their needs are and differentiating between needs and wants because those are two different things. And oftentimes people lump what they want into what they need. Um, and it's really important. And there's when working with horses, there's pressure and release. And um, understanding how, like we work on how soft can you make the pressure to get a horse to release from it. And then you just instantly let like let go of that, right? Um, because you, you don't want to bulldoze people or animals over. Like you want to just, have the least amount of effort to get, because then you're more connected. When you're more connected, you don't have to use as much pressure to get people or animals to do something. When you're um, honoring them as sentient beings, it's just so important. And communication also has like that vibration that you were talking about, right? So if a person gets triggered, they're most likely going to talk more quickly. Um, they're going to get louder, their energy is going to get bigger, and that horse is probably going to want to move away from that. And so what is great about working with horses is that there's no filter there. They're going to have an immediate response, and the people can trust in that response versus then if they're talking to a human being who has their own storyline that feeds into that, right? Their own reactionary thoughts. And um, no matter, like your friend, like there's some people out there that are able to say in like complete neutrality and props to those people. Um, but there tends to be at least a little bit of a slide on the scale either way as we use our own energy to manage our own personal judgments and to create space for that person. But the horses, that's why we're able to work with trauma so quickly is because the horses don't have that filter. The horses meet the people exactly where they are and they're great BS detectors, we like to say, especially in Mustangs because um, domesticated horses shut down 
sometimes, like more quickly. But mustangs, if you shut down in the wild, like you die, you're going to get eaten by like a cougar or like <laughs> something, you know? Right. And so they're just really clear um, with what it is that they're feeling. And we talk a lot about consent for humans, but we don't always talk a lot about what consent looks like for animals and for horses, like who's dropped a bridle on them and we put a saddle on them and we try and make them do X and Y and Z, right? Um, but how do we do that with kindness and consideration? Because like you might go out to the field and you want to ride your horse that day, but for whatever reason, your horse is just not feeling it. And then you have to check your yo and you have to check your wants and desires in order to honor this other sentient being and where they're at today. And a lot of people don't do that. A lot of people are just like, it's just an animal. I'm going to go on. I have to do something or I want to do something. I need to like train for this show or I have a lesson that I have to do. And that's why it's so great to have a group of horses, a herd of horses that you get to work with so that when you have that um, one horse or two horses or whatever that is not like, you know, I'm just... I'm not feeling it today. Then you can just let them stay on the pasture and you work with the other horses. And there's some horses that love the work. Mm. And there are other horses that are just like, you know, I just don't like doing therapeutic work. I like to do jumps, you know? Mm. <laughs> and you can tell that because like, they just they just feel that like, what what's the job today? They're incredibly intelligent animals. And um, it's just profound work. And I think it's really important for us to create visibility, not so, just so that we can help the human beings and all the trauma that's going on in the world today that they're experiencing, but also to bring value back to the horse, to have people like fall in love with the American Mustang again, and to want to protect them and to pay attention to what's happening with horses and honoring them as sentient beings. It's all, it's all of it, you know, it's just really incredibly important for us to take all of that into consideration um because we're all on this planet together right so do you um so like i said i'm i'm more of a city person my kids are city people you know city folk city folk and um so do you do i think this there's another important aspect about this too is that people and you were you mentioned this earlier is in the we're we're so tied to our our devices our electronics our phones our our tablets or whatever that we don't we don't know what's going on around us. And there's this whole world out there yeah. that we would just look up and go experience. And I think kids are, are even more so worse than, than adults at times because they have video games, they have this, and they don't want to go out inside and play. I mean, they don't, I want to be here. So are, do you do uh, kid programs as well? Or is it just basically? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. There are a lot of programs out there. Um, there's a great book. Um, if anybody, it's one of my favorite books. It's called Last Child in the Woods. Um, and it's about um, nature deficit disorder. And um, if any parents out there want to read it, I highly recommend it. Right. Nature deficit disorder is a new disorder. It never used to be around. And it's because like people need to be out of nature and because of all the technology, they're spending too much time inside. And it's creating different psychological difficulties for humans, not just kids, but like adults too. Um, there's a really great program called Horse Powered Reading created by Michelle Pical in Minnesota um, that engages with uh, academics, uh, obviously, reading, obviously academics. <laughs> and then Guys with Success in, in Plainfield, uh, Indiana has also had a really great curriculum for a long time where they um, match for educational standards um, with equine assisted learning activities. And we have people that are expanding into history and art and science. Um, I personally, my thesis, um, it's 187 pages long and it's on how uh, equine assisted learning helps autistic students through sensory based interventions to increase academic and social skills. And then I created a 10 week curriculum matching core educational standards for Washington State with equine assisted learning activities um, for a third grade base. And part of what it is that I'm wanting to connect with equine professionals in the now is to have a platform that's kind of like Netflix for a membership program where we create equine assisted learning activities for K through 12 for every single subject matching core educational standards for the United States. Um, and this platform will help for teachers and parents and kids um, who need more like that experiential activities and want to do something that's more interesting than just reading out of a book, right? Mm -hmm. um, 
and to support them and help them give validity to our field by matching those activities with the core educational standards that allows us to then have more of like longitudinal studies and mixed methodologies. And then we have something called heart math where um, we help to study and discover congruence in emotional regulation with working with the horses. So heart math is something for all of you to look up if you want to, it's really interesting work. And um, yeah, so there's plenty out there that people can do with kids to help them in alignment with horses to really help with social, emotional intelligence. And um, yeah, just really helping them with that emotional regulation and greater social awareness with how they interact with their friends to have healthy, balanced relationships. Um, so yeah, it's pretty cool. So I've actually heard of the heart math thing. I'm trying, nice. to, was, I'm trying to remember, I think it was, I was watching something with um, Dr. Greg Braden, I think it was, and he was he was talking about heart congruence with with the mind and and some of the work that the heart math was doing with that. So um, definitely, I would encourage people to check that out. Um, and then one, I guess, one other aspect, which is just intriguing with what you're doing with the horses, um, and I want to bring it back to the healing aspect, because I think what a lot of people don't understand is that when we're on, again, if we're going to go back to this heightened state of, of um, the fight or flight thing, I can't, there's another word I'm wanting, but just, it's just not coming to me right now. Fight, um, flight, or freeze. What's that? It's fight, flight, or freeze. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're just, in, in the everything is just here. And all that is pushing this interesting toxins into our body, and, and that's why we're sick. Oh, you mean the parasympathetic versus the sympathetic nervous system? Yeah, 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 yeah. So if we can, you know, bring all this this down and and healing, actually, our body really just starts to heal itself just naturally. So yeah, when you're not having so much cortisol and adrenaline like pumped in your body from those reactive spaces, yeah, it definitely helps facilitate the healing process when you're not in um, that space because you have different like you have different chemical reactions that occur in your brain and like that are distributed through your body and you have um oh gosh i think it's an increase in um serotonin and there's like all these different like basically all the happy like chemicals right. are, <laughs> are released in oxygen um I, just, I should remember all of those things um but i'm just having one of those moments we all have those moments you know that yeah, and uh, anyway, basically like all the happy chemicals in your brain are released when you're around horses and so that's the joke they say that like girls are addicted to horses it's like legitimate now like they really are <laughs> and they're addicted to the chemicals that are released in the brain right. when they're around um the horses obviously meant to was too. um but yes when your body is able to um emotionally like you're able to emotionally regulate you're able to calm your body it increases the ability for facilitation of healing yeah. um when you get out of that trauma response and yeah it's it heals you physically and psychologically to be around horses um and but there's also a scope of practice that's really important to understand that there's going to be a different scope of practice of how people can engage with you as an educator as a life coach as a mental health provider they have different schooling so sometimes the line can be a little close there, but um, somebody that's providing an equine assistive learning process with you should not like deep dive into some sort of traumatic experience with you. That's why we have a mental health practitioner with us in some of the different models like Egala and National Lifemanship. Um, sometimes um, we just refer out to people that we just have good connections with, but it's important to honor those spaces um, because if you don't, you can get yourself into trouble with your clients, um, not just like from a legal standpoint, but also just like you don't want somebody that you're working with to have a ne negative experience that you're not trained to be able to handle. Right. Um, and it's just honoring limitations and wanting the best for the people that we engage with. Yeah. Cool. All right. Now I'm going to go. We covered well, There's one more aspect we have to cover is the first one that you, you talked about, and that's your YouTube thing and this is this is amazing because you 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 said something that i was just talking about yesterday and that's people just don't they don't dream anymore yeah. and they don't follow their dreams and we, i think and i don't know who where what why someone stated that at a certain age you have to stop you know it, get out of your dream world you have to stop living in the now or, or living in the present and 
but why can't the present be a dream, right? Why can't you just do that within in the present? And um, so I think what's really interesting about you that, I mean, even it just inspires me is that something happened, right? Something happened in your life and you were like, I have dreams. I'm going to go out and I don't care what, how I do it. I'm going to pack up all my, all my stuff into an F-150 with a canopy and I'm going to go and live my dream. And that is just so inspirational. And people are so scared to do that. They're, they're in the grind and they, they want more out of life. I think as human beings, you know, I think we are, we are made to expand, right? We we're not made to just be in this day-to-day life. I feel like we have to expand on some holistic level. Otherwise, we just feel like we're trapped. And I think a lot of people are living in this trapped state. Yeah. And it's because they were told that they can't dream anymore, that they can't chase dreams, and dreams don't pay bills. And 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 dreams don't necessarily have to pay bills to an extent, right? Yeah, you have to make money, but look at what you've done. You said, I'm gonna chase my dream, and now I have I have a GoFundMe page, and you're you're being creative on the aspect of how I'm going to live my dream. And eventually, I think everything else will just kind of fall in place because you're going in line with your passion. I mean, I would even do this. I, I, firmly, <laughs> I, I firmly believe that when people go with what their passion is, and that's that's their purpose. So passion equals purpose. And when you're in line with that passion and you're taking steps forward, and you know, you can call it God, you can call it the universe, whatever you want to call it, when you're doing that on an active basis and you're going with with the full-fledged emotions and everything that's behind it and it create a process as you're doing things just tend to fall into place and I've, i'm learning that more and more in my own life and so um i don't know where i was going with this but i just your whole your whole story in, in that aspect and the dreaming and the youtube thing is just it really is it's very very much needed um yeah so really what i did have a point i did i'll get there um what is in your mindset? What What was your mindset when you decided? Like, just if you can just walk me through, I am just going to pack up and leave. Because really, <laughs> people, you know, again, people won't do that. So you just taking that leap of faith is, is very, um, I think people need to hear some of that, more of that story of the whys and hows and stuff. Sure. Um, yeah, it is, um, it's an interesting thing. So when I was young, I really wanted to work with horses. My grandfather bought me two white ponies for my fifth birthday. He was my hero for lots of reasons. He's an incredible man. And um, and my parents told me that I would never make any money with horses and I should just not do that. And I listened to them and my life would have been radically different. And I think way less painful um, if I would have just believed in myself and not listened to anybody else when I was young. And that's part of the reason that I do what it is that I do. It's not that things don't get uncomfortable because they definitely do. Like, and it can be like on a fairly regular basis. It's just deciding that um, what you believe in is more important than the level of discomfort that you're going through. And if you're staying true to your values, your integrity, you're communicating your needs, you're having your boundaries, um, and just being really like honest with yourself about that whole process is incredibly important. Um, but for me, so when I turned 40 on May 25th, I decided to, I just decided, I just, it's <laughs> just like, I just had a moment, I'm like, that's it. And I just decided to step into my power and let go of all of my limiting beliefs across all of my dynamics. That was the gift I gave to myself for my 40th birthday. And it wasn't like there was a lead into that other than just like a lifetime of, of tribulation and triumph. You know, like I have a very interesting life story of the difficult things that I've, I've overcome. Mm. Um, like I was in a wheelchair five years ago for four months because I couldn't walk more than 10 feet at a time mm. because I uh, had a back injury. I blew up the disc in my low back. And um, it was the second surgery. It's been an interesting 10 years for me. And um, the people see me walking around and they wouldn't know that there was anything wrong with me. And sometimes that gets me in trouble because sometimes somebody will like hug me really hard and it'll, or they'll lift me up. And uh, like I had a guy lift me up at a bar and it took me six months to recover Oof. with physical therapy and massage and chiropractic. And like, cause that was the level of sensitivity I was at because of like 
decompress and recompress. And it was just mm. like not a great, not a great thing. And um, and that's why it's like communicating and asking consent before you lift people up is really important. Because <laughs> right. right. <laughs> um, you just never know what somebody's going through. That's why communication is great. Um, but in regards to just mindset and living one's dreams, um, what I feel that I'm doing based off of the communication I've had with men around the world, communication I've had with different equine professionals, what I keep hearing is that what I'm doing and what I have to offer is something that is very needed in the world. So that basically helped give me an increased bandwidth for overcoming whatever discomfort and whatever potential fear I had in taking that leap of faith because selling my horses was not a fun experience for me, but I made sure they went to incredible homes so I don't have any guilt there. Do I miss them? I absolutely do. Do I believe with all of my heart that the sacrifice was necessary and worth it for what it is that I'm creating to empower as many human beings on this planet as possible? 100%. And so it's just deciding what your dream is and what it's worth to you. And maybe your dream is only about like getting to do something that's just for you. And there's nothing wrong with that. And maybe your dream is like my dream, which is to empower at least a billion people on the planet. That's my dream because that's what I feel that is needed and that's what I feel I am capable of accomplishing. Because for me, it's about a legacy and showing people that just because you're one person doesn't mean you can't change the world. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> We're getting close to our hour. We I'm are. Talking. Live by example, people. <laughs> Even so when it's not comfortable. Yeah. Um, so I always like to play this game. And I, I call it a game. It's not really a game. It's just, they're, it is just, a game. Ran, they're just <laughs> random questions. And, it's, you know, I, I showed you the pod deck. I kind of read you a few because you were a little bit like, oh, what kind of questions are you going to ask me? <laughs> That's terrible trivia. It's definitely like one of my weaknesses in life because I don't spend enough time watching TV or in politics. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, um, and really, this is just kind of a, and it's, it's interesting that I've, I've found that even though these are random questions, you can tell a lot about people that they answer this still based off of whatever their passion and their purpose is. And so there's, it's everything in, it just kind of is in line with each other. So I'm going to pick randomly three cards and um, I'll ask them to you and then I'll have to answer them myself and we will go from there. That's a good, that's an interesting one. <laughs> All right. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Let's do right. this. First question. This is going to be probably interesting for you because you're just all over the place right now. So what is the favorite thing you've bought this year? Oh, um, oh, geez. My favorite thing that I bought this year, I'm going to say it's my truck because uh, my truck, her name is Excalibur and she is the vehicle of my destiny. And so she's my favorite thing because she has allowed me the opportunity to pack all my stuff up and live my great adventure. That's awesome. See, again, it matches right in line with whatever your purpose was. I don't buy a lot of stuff, so like I, I'm just like, what did I buy other than food this year? Like, <laughs> I, I, mine is actually a book. So I read the book um, "Think and Grow Rich." Oh, and that's it, a good book. It just, it, it was, yeah, it's changed a lot of lives, and literally, it, <clears throat> excuse me, it's it's changed mine as well. And so I made the per the purchase. I wanted, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, I, I had one that was just this the cheaper copy. Um, actually, I think the, the thinking, I think I actually got it from the library. So I read it from the library and then I loved it so much that I went and I bought me a, a collector's edition of the Think and Grow Rich book. And oh, it's, it's like my pride and joy right now. It's on my desk all the time because I refer to it whenever I do things. It's just, it's just there. So that's my favorite thing that I bought this year. Nice. Which again oh, coincides with my purpose because it's all I'm changing the mindset, right? And that's that's my goal. 
Yeah. Not just me, but for everybody. That's why I have people on here because I feel like if we can get, you know, and with what you're doing, you change one person's mindset and they go and, and, and they help someone else. Then you're reaching your million people, not just by yourself, but by, you know, the other lives that you're, you're touching, they're touching lives as well. So you're just exactly. expanding that whole thing. Yeah. So. It's that whole living by example thing. And when you even just like say hello to people and you meet them in their eye and you smile with like genuine kindness and like love to that person, it, it changes them just for a moment. And so my my goal, I try to make every place that I visit at least 1% better than it was before I was there. That's That's perfect. That is perfect. Next question. You ready? I'm ready. If you had someone following you around all the time, what would you have them do? Uh, film my whole life. I have people joke with me all the time that uh, if I had a TV show about my life, that they would watch it all the time. And uh, and I would do that just because I do lots of goofy things and like random acts of kindness. I have lots of grocery store stories. Like I love being ridiculous at grocery stores. And <laughs> Oh, I could I could write a book about all of my grocery store stories, and someday I probably will. But yeah, no, I would have them film everything, and then I wouldn't have to look for a videographer anymore, which would be great. That would be <laughs> great. <laughs> Just kill the two birds with one stone. And actually, if you, I would probably watch that too. I mean, if you were had someone film everything, all the places that you were going, and yeah. all the lives that you were touching, and then the fun parts within the grocery stores. That yeah. would make a really good kind of, uh, what's what's the stupid with Chip and what's her name on Home and Garden TV? I know we I don't watch a whole lot of TV either, but um, good TV. <laughs> yeah, it just it would make good and informative and fun television. It would just be great. <laughs> yeah. Mine is not as inspiring as yours. If I had someone follow me, I'd have them cook because I hate cooking. I and I. Oh. I don't cook very well, and my poor kids, when they're at my house, they pretty much get the same thing over and over and over. And I, I try to break out, but it's just, uh, eh. It, it, it can be difficult. I am, um, with COVID happening and traveling, what I really missed on that uh, line is Thai food. Thai food and good sushi. Uh, I feel a little bit weird about getting sushi in the Midwest, because I'm like, we're not close to the ocean here. <laughs> Right there, the, mm, I I don't I like sushi. I don't eat it much. My daughter would know. She loves sushi, and th there's a place they like to go. At least here in Colorado Springs, um, right? So it can be found. Like you just have to do the searching. I think <laughs> face the fear. Go just, just break that fear barrier. Get you some sushi. It'll be great. Mm -hmm. I'll go for the Thai food first, but it's good to know. <laughs> All right, last question. What is your greatest regret? Hmm. Oh, wow. Uh, there are so many. <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, my greatest regret. <laughs> my greatest regret that's appropriate for TV. <laughs> <laughs> exactly yes <laughs> um i'll make it i can't i can't say the greatest because sometimes they're hard to quantify right because you get sometimes i feel like most people have like maybe five that kind of like fall on the same like level um i know that everybody that's kind of an arbitrary number but um for me i think one of my greatest regrets um, my best girlfriend in high school, her name was Sasha. She was, she's, she, I still get to talk to her, which is great. She's an incredible human being. She travels all around the world um, and she teaches art. Um, and her husband is a principal in these um, schools. And they oftentimes go to third world countries and they just live this really cool life, like traveling around. And I wanted to uh, be like, a, I wanted to be lots of things when I was younger, but I've always loved traveling. And so when we were, we graduated from high school when we were 18 and she went to Costa Rica for like nine months and I was going to go with her. I had $2,000 saved up and um, my parents, my parents are divorced, so I have four parents and all of them were just like, don't go, you're going to like die and get raped and like all the terrible things. 
And um, so one of my greatest regrets would be not going with her because I feel like had I gone with her um, to this other country that I would have had the most epic adventures and I just would have continued traveling like all over the world. And um, and I really, I really wanted to go, but I gave in to fear. I was really close to all of my, I was really close to my mom and dad, I should say, like not so much my step parents, but um, I allowed my love and connection with them and their fear to impact my decision. So my, that's my biggest regret. So my advice would be to any young people in that is to find a mentor, find somebody that's like older or a life coach or somebody that you would just like really respect. It's even in your same grade, but it's like a logical person and has great leadership skills and to talk to them about what their thoughts are and don't just listen to your family. Like your family, like hopefully loves you and they want what's best for you. But you also like, it's a, that would have been like a rite of passage at that age, the age of 18 to go on that trip. And I think it's really important for people to have autonomy and to be able to stretch. It's like when you're a parent and your kid wants to climb up on the super tall ladder, like to go on the slide and you're just like, oh my God, or they want to try like climb a really tall tree and you're scared they're going to fall and they're going to break their arm, but you still have to let them climb because they need to figure out where like what their strengths are and if they fall like bones heal you know like obviously really bad things can happen but it's just it's better to not preach out of fear it's more important to be like okay so if you're going to go for my example to costa rica um how are you going to keep yourself safe or be like hey before like you can go but i really want you to go and take martial arts for like three months or whatever before you go or like how are like what's your plan going to be to be able to get out of a difficult situation or you know like talk to them pragmatically empower them to be able to take care of themselves don't shut them down just because you're afraid or you have your own personal like history like think think about all the pieces and um, that's my advice for both the kids and the parents <laughs> awesome that's good my mine actually goes along kind of the same lines, but a little bit different. So before my dad passed, um, he was really big in um, family tree. Uh, what's the word? He was really big in our family tree. So our family came over from Ireland, and he always wanted to go to Ireland. A beautiful life. And I know you. I know that the last time we talked, you said that you had been there, and. Um, I ended that now I think even talking to you it just kind of don't feel bad but it just kind of built that regret up a little bit more because that was something I wanted to experience with him I wanted to take yeah. him be able to take him and I just I got busy with life you know I at, I was saying once I was done with this we'll go or then I got involved with something and then I went into the doctor the doctoral program and once I'm done with this we'll go well before I was done with my doctorate he passed of Parkinson's and so I never got to do that with him. So now, um, but you, know, you take that regret and say, well, okay, cool. But now I'll go with my kids. And so let's, we'll make those plans. And I won't let my life, you know, end without at least experiencing that, experiencing that with them because they really want to go as well. So um, I would just wish that I could, my dad could have been there, but that is my, my biggest regret. And so if we're going to give, you know, hey, this is my advice to you is don't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. If just do it because you you're not promised tomorrow, right? That's and, right. I had a conversation and, with somebody just yesterday. So yeah, no promise, promise. Live in the present. Yeah, and build those experiences. Just like what you were saying, build the experiences because just imagine the experience that if I could have done that with him before he passed, I could hold that experience with me now that he's gone instead right. of i wish i could have or i wish i should have so instead of having the, the i wish it could it could be i did and yeah. that is just so so important it's true so that's it alicia thank you so much um what i want to do is you have to give me all the information because you have a lot there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> so um we're gonna put contacts and everything that you need for people to be able to reach you for whichever aspect that you, you know you, you, you like you said there's definitely three that we talked about today so we'll put all that contact information in the description and we'll get it out um, to people um and so do you have any last 
comments, some little nuggets that you want to share with everybody. Uh, I always ask this, and I don't know why, but I, I love the, the closing nuggets. So, sure, I always have closing nuggets. <laughs> <laughs> so, my closing nuggets would be that even on your most difficult days, that you have value and you have everything that you need already inside you. That's a great nugget. That is awesome. <laughs> that was short, sweet, and very powerful. I loved it. I always give the same nugget, and this is how I close out the program all the time, and it's because I think it's very important. And it's whenever you're finding yourself going against the flow, going against what everybody else is doing, keep going in that direction because that's where you're going to find greatness. So with that, again, Alicia, thank you so much. You're welcome. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me on, Jay. Definitely. And we will talk again soon. I look forward to it. All right. Bye. Bye.